Good morning. <laughs> How are you all this morning? <laughs> Awake now. Um, my name is Stephanie. For those of you I haven't met yet, I'm sorry, I'm going to borrow your stand for a little bit. Um, for those of you I haven't met yet, I'm one of your pastors. And I'm excited to be able to be here this morning to kick off this brand new sermon series of uh, Then Sings My Soul. Now, this summer we're going to be going through some of our most beloved hymns, and we're going to talk about where Scripture informs them and where, uh, what we can learn from the hymns, why we sing them together, all of this stuff. As we begin, would you please join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much today for this beautiful day that you've given Thank you for every individual in this room. Thank you that we have ways to worship you in a unified way, that we can sing your praises all together in the same words. Lord, thank you for the message that you've placed on my heart. I pray that my words would be yours, that we would hear something from you today, and that all else would fall away. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it is finally summer, and it, I feel like it went from like snow to like blazing hot. Anybody else? Um, I know, I know um, this, uh, this year, I'm just trying to get a handle right now on my kids' calendars. And one of the things that we always try to put on a calendar at the beginning of the summer is a vacation, you know, amid all of the baseball season stuff and the camps and all of that with my teenage boys, um, we try to get a vacation in there. And that reminded me of one vacation that we took about a few years back, and we went to South Dakota. And we went to the Black Hills. And we used to live in the Black Hills, so it wasn't that big of a change for us, and it, you know, it could have been uneventful. But we decided to hike up Harney Peak, now known as Black Elk Peak. Uh, side note, I hiked up Harney Peak as a teenager, as my kids' age, and uh, my dad bet me $50 that I couldn't make it up in a certain amount of time. Easiest $50 I ever won. Yes. But anyways, this time we found, uh, we found a trail that was about six miles up and back. So round trip, it's about six miles. Now, Black Elk Peak is the highest point in South Dakota. And there are different ways to get up to the top of that mountain. But wherever you start at, you still have to go up. And it is beautiful country up there. I remember walking up this uh, this mountain, and you can see the summit in the distance in certain ways because it winds back and forth. You look out and you can see the summit. You can see all of the trees and the vastness of like you are just a small thing in the middle of all of this bigness. And then also on the path, you notice specific things. People have left little things at different markers. There are things that explain what you're looking at. Um, every once in a while as you're hiking. There's all these different things. There's, you know, there's birds chirping in the trees. There's all these things along the way that you want to stop and just take in the beauty. And then you get to look out and you're like, wow, this is massive. It's so vast. I think that is what we get in this hymn today. I think we get this like zooming out and zooming in. Like you can see all of this vastness and greatness and then you can also come really close and feel God's closeness. How Great Thou Art is calling attention. Some of it calls attention to the bigger picture, God's greater perspective, pun intended. 
So what does this have to do with the Bible? What does this have to do with God's word, this hymn, How Great Thou Art? Well, back in 1885 is when this poem was written. Now, the author had just experienced a big storm. He had experienced this massive thunderstorm uh, that was scary, by no means calm. And then after the thunderstorm had passed, there was a calmness that came over, and he wrote the words of this poem in the calmness, the poem that we now know as How Great Thou Art. Now, he was Swedish. His name was Boberg. Um, And then eventually it got translated into uh, German and Russian, and then eventually English, and then it became popular in about the 1950s during um, the Billy Graham Crusades. But it is still this powerful hymn. The lyrics are powerful. They celebrate God's greatness and majesty, his creation and his redemptive work through Jesus Christ. It's become this beloved hymn that we still sing today, and we'll get to sing later. But what biblical truth is at its core, right? While not explicitly mentioned in How Great Thou Art, the hymn acknowledges God's eternal and everlasting nature. His eternal and everlasting reign. It declares the greatness of God who transcends time and rules over all creation. So let's start in Psalm 145. I'm going to read from Psalm 145, verse 8, which says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. So in these couple of verses, the psalmist acknowledges God's compassionate nature his goodness, his mercy, his love and care for all of his creation. Similarly, how great thou art speaks to God's goodness and mercy, recognizes his sacrificial love in sending his son for redemption of humanity. Let's read on. Uh, In 13, it says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. So this goodness and care and compassion, it's not just for when this psalm was written. It's enduring. It's for all generations. It affirms God's eternal and unchanging nature and speaks to his sovereignty. Though the psalm and the hymn aren't directly connected, they share overarching themes and inspire awe and gratitude and reverence for God's attributes and his works. But God's majesty and greatness are not the only thing on display in this hymn. Remember I mentioned that the hymn was written in, uh, after a really big thunderstorm, and as the author was noticing the calmness? So I remember about five years ago, um, almost exactly to the day five years ago, I had just, me and my family had just moved into our new house. Uh, We were um, doing up the lawn, or it wasn't a lawn yet, we were like fine grading the yard, and my sister who lives next to us, we were both doing that. No sooner did the fine grade on the yard get done than a gust of wind came through, And the air turned from super humid to a little bit crisp. 
It was a day very much like today. And if you've ever had that happen where you've been standing outside and you're like, wow, it is so humid, I can barely breathe. And then all of a sudden a wind comes through and you're like, tut, tut, it looks like rain, you know? But we had, I had no idea why. I was in the back of my house and there was blue skies. But go around the front of the house and this is what we saw. Yeah, so that is a wall cloud. And I'm taking this picture from my sister's front porch because we turned around and we were like, wow, something big is coming. Uh, and those are the, that, the flatbed there. That's the guys that were, uh, had just finished our yard, frantically trying to pack up their things because something big is coming. The wind kicked up. You could just feel it. You could feel the storm brewing. We didn't know exactly what the storm would bring, but uh, the news reports said hail, large gusts of wind. So we started to pull everything in, our vehicles, our children, like just started to pull everything into the house and get everything ready for this storm. And then we waited. During the storm at my sister's house, oh, we, we waited, but no sooner that, did we take this picture, like, Ten minutes after, this was happening. Now, I know we're used to seeing white stuff on the ground here, um, but that is not snow. That's hail. And this was the smallest hail, because I took this picture, and then the sirens went, sirens went off, and we retreated to the basement with our, with our kids. That picture was taken only ten minutes after that wall cloud picture. So during the storm at my sister's house, we were in an interior, interior room. We had no idea really what was happening outside, except that we could hear the storm. We could hear it beating against the house. We could hear the gusts of wind. There was the noise. The windows were rattling. The house was shaking. But when the noise died down, we cautiously left, not knowing what we would find. The inside of the house was okay, so we went ahead and we went outside to survey the damage. There were parts of people's houses everywhere, parts of our house, parts of uh, like uh, roofs, siding, you know, lawn chairs or cushions that had blown across, uh, grills or garbage cans that had rolled down the, dry, the, down the street. And of course, a ton of our brand new dirt was washed into the road in front of us. There were people in the area picking up from this storm and replacing their roofs and their siding for the next two summers. The damage was extensive. Have you ever been in a storm like that? A storm that just comes out of nowhere? You're trying to prepare and do all that you can, but even with all that you're trying to do, you just feel small and insignificant against the booming thunder and the lightning. You feel powerless against the wind and the water. And you're not sure what will be left to clean up or to repair after the storm has passed. I think we've all been in a storm like that. Of course, it may not look like this storm, but that's not the only kind of storms we encounter. We face different storms too. Financial stress, a cancer diagnosis, a sudden loss, an injury or an illness, broken relationship, storms that shake the house and do damage, storms that you're not sure what it looks like on the other side of it or how you 
we'll repair it. So we came out of our house, and, or we came out of my sister's house, and yeah, there was wreckage, but interestingly, the sun was also shining. The air was new and fresh and crisp. There was an interesting calm as we emerged from our homes. It looked like this. Vastly different from what it looked like moments before. This picture is taken 42 minutes after the picture of the storm, before we retreated to the basement. Gotta love a timestamp on an iPhone, right? That's how I know that. But there was a calm and a stillness. And it reminded me of this hymn and what Boberg might have felt when he was writing his poem. The original words of this poem that we now know as How Great Thou Art were written after a storm while the author was sitting in the calm. But I'm going to go one step further, and I think that the trick is finding the calm in the storm. It's not just the calm after. And in this hymn, you can notice that. There is this beautiful zooming in and zooming out, like I was talking about on my trail up Black Elk Peak. So I'm going to read a little bit of it here, and we'll get to sing it together in a minute. But if you read verse 2 of How Great Thou Art, it says, When through the woods and forest glades I wander, I hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. And when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. So we've got this grandeur of the woods and the closeness of the birds. We've got this grand and majestic mountain that we're looking down from, but we're also seeing a brook and feeling the breeze. We've got not only this amazing, great, majestic God, but also a close and personal God. Yes, he's great, but he's also personal. So we've got this zooming in and zooming out. So in verse 3, it says, But when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. God did that for you because he's a personal God. And he's great enough to do it. It is both. God created everything. And he also created a way for us to be with him for all eternity and right now, no matter what's going on. We read more about this in Luke 2. And I'm going to take it back just a little bit. It says, therefore, I tell you, excuse me, Luke 12. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? God's love and care and mercy are personal. So small down to the birds. So great 
to the mountains and his majesty. But because of this personal nature combined with God's majesty, it's because of that that we can sing how great thou art in any season, in any storm, in any sunshine. We have this personal, majestic, intimate, powerful, merciful, awesome, and wondrous God. So the next time we're feeling overwhelmed, try zooming in and zooming out. Notice how big and how small you are at the very same time. Notice how God cares for all of his creation in his greatness and also for you who can feel so small. God is great and close. And what if we were to always live like this, like we knew that he is great and close? I think we'd start to see ways that he reveals himself, not only in his creation, but in the people that he places in our lives. I think we could look for him in whatever storm may be coming or whatever storm we are in and find the calm, know his peace. Even when the house is shaking and the windows are rattling and we don't know what's on the other side, we can turn to our amazing God who is both creator and ruler of all and caring and caring nurturer of individual souls, who is both infinite and intimate. We can turn to him in the storms and the sunshine, and our hearts can be filled with joy as we humbly and adoringly praise him and his works and proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your greatness and your majesty that you are so big and you care for all of your creation to the point where you take care of us who are so small in the midst of all of it. Lord, we thank you for that care, for your love and kindness, your mercy and grace. You are great. And we sing to you now.